video. So we're kicking off a new series called Finding Jesus as we move into Christmas. We move, uh, make our way to really to Christmas Day, if you will. So as we're talking about or thinking about this idea of finding Jesus, I just start asking myself some questions. Why is it that we are so... Um, um, focused on finding things that are lost. Why do we spend so much time? We lose something. Why do we seek it and try to find it and waste or take all of our time doing that? And then why do we get so excited when we actually find it? Right. Why, why do we get so worked up when we actually find it? I want to read you from Luke chapter 2. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 15, starting at verse 1 and going through verse 10. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that it is the same way that there is. I'm sorry. I I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety nine righteous persons who do not repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and she loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search be carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one lost sinner who repents. So in this series, there are going to be some themes. And one of the major themes that's going to come up over and over and over again is when we find Jesus, we find ourselves. When we find Jesus, we find ourselves. Another theme that is going to surface is God's desire to be found and to have a relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with us. 
He wants fellowship with us. He wants to be connected to us. But we as humans are in a constant search, right? We're constantly searching for things. We search for truth. We, we search for purpose. We search for meaning. We search for our identity. We're in a constant search. We, we search for things that we lose. We search for our car keys, right? All the time. We search for our wallets. We search for our, our remotes. You ever, have you noticed how the small, how small the remotes are getting? Like your Netflix remote. Have you, if you have Netflix, it's a remote's about this big. I mean, that's so easy to lose. I was in the first service. I was wondering how much time we actually waste in life trying to find things that we've lost. It's over a year of our lives that we spend trying to find things that we have lost. And when it comes to the remote, they're getting smaller. They actually should be getting larger. I mean, here's what the remote should really look like. It should be about this big with a big wire hanging off it. You know what I'm saying? And that way, if you say, honey, where's there? Oh, no, I found it. It should be the size of an old VCR or something. So it's right there. You can't lose it. But they keep making them smaller. And now we're going to be spending two years of our lives searching things out instead of one year of our lives trying to find them. But we, I'm telling you, as people, we're constantly searching. We look for things that other people have lost, right? Like treasure hunters. People, your ship goes down and people will spend years trying to find that ship that went down. Someone lost something, we want to find it. So whether it's treasure hunters or, you remember when, if you've ever been to the beach, I lived in Ocean Grove, New Jersey, right near Asbury Park, was a place where a lot of people went to the beach. After everyone got off the beach, guess who got on the beach? Right? The guys with the metal detectors, right? Trying to find your lost ring or whatever coins or whatever you lost. They'd be there trying to find it. In church, we have a lost and found. Right? We have a lost and found. So you guys can find the things that you lose more easily. But you don't really search too hard because our lost and found is all big piles. Especially your Bibles. Alright? So you gotta go find your Bible. Leave your Bible behind. You gotta go find it. Alright? So it's, it's this whole idea of, of being lost and then trying to, to, to find it. I lost, I lost my very first Bible. I actually think it was stolen, but we'll just go with lost, all right? But I lost my very first Bible. I was 17 years old. My youth pastor gave me this Bible. It was like a, had a green cover on it. And I, and as a believer, I, as a new believer, I was writing all of my feelings down in that Bible. And I had, the pages were written all over. And then it was gone. And I still, I'm, I, all these years later, it still bothers me. Once in a while, I'll find a box hidden somewhere and I'll be like, oh, maybe it's in there. Finding things that are lost is so important to us. Cindy Lou Who, right, in the movie, she was, she was trying to find out the meaning of Christmas. What was Christmas all about? Finding things that are lost is extremely significant to us as humans. As a matter of fact, the, the, the things that have the greatest value cause the most intense searches, if you have something of tremendous value to you, it, you will just spend so much time looking for that thing. I'll give you an example. Have you ever lost your child in a store or in an amusement park or it doesn't matter where? Have you, have you ever lost your child, even, even for a very, just a, just a moment and those feelings of intensity and you just, man, you search for your child. We wouldn't, we grew up, well not grew up, we lived in, uh, in Marblehead, Massachusetts for uh, about four years. And Jen was one and a half or so. Kim was, you know, maybe two and a half, three. She was three. And so we, uh, we got out of the car, pulled into our driveway, got out of the car, opened the car doors, getting all our groceries out. And all of a sudden we realized, where, where's Jen? 
Where's Jen? I, it was so, it, it was, it was one of those things where your heart just stops beating and you, you, the, the pit of your stomach. And I started running down the street. I thought to myself, someone must have grabbed her because she couldn't have just gotten away that quickly. She's, she's so little. And so I started running down the street to look who had snatched up my child and taken my child and Deb ran the other direction. And as we were panicked, all of a sudden Jen comes walking around the car and there she is. But the feelings, the intensity, of losing something of such incredible value to you. Finding things that you love that were once lost, if, if even just for a moment can bring joy beyond words and intense emotions, right? Intense emotions. First, it's like the joy of finding your child and then the frustration of where, why'd you go there? Where, why'd you leave in the first place? Right? So your, your emotions are going up and down because you're, it's like you're laughing and then crying at the same time. Because it's so intense, you have found something so precious that you lost, if even for a moment. Luke 15 reminds us of this truth. He's reminding us of this truth. God is searching for a relationship with every single one of us. And when we find him, when we find him, there is incredible rejoicing in heaven. God rejoices over like the, the coin that was lost or the, the one sheep, you know, going out and find that one sheep and leaving the 99 over here. They'll be fine. But I've got to find that one sheep. And once I find that lost sheep, there is, a, there is intense rejoicing. That's what the Bible says. They're intense rejoicing because of of how much he loves us. When we find Jesus, we're talking about finding Jesus. When we find Jesus, there is a peace. There is a joy. There is a contentment that comes into our lives like, like you can't even express. But even those who would say that they have a relationship with Christ, even those who would say that, sometimes make really poor choices and bring about pain and loss in their lives. They bring about the loss of, of that peace that they, that they once had, that, that contentment that they had, that joy that they had. They make choices that, that turn them or pull them away from God, pull them away from Christ. Instead of finding him, they're going away from him. And, and that stuff is basically, if you will, stolen from them. They, they, they lose, in some cases, by making poor choices, they lose their reputation. Something that maybe they've built up over years and years, and, and then they, they make choices in their lives, and they lose that reputation. Or in some ways, we, we, we lose the feeling, the, our feelings of value. Like God still values us. That doesn't change at all. But the choice that we make, sometimes it, it, it pulls us in such a direction that we feel in our hearts that we've, we've, we've lost value. We often drift away from God and make choices that, that, spirit, that, that shake us spiritually and, and many times break us emotionally. We, we, are, we are broken emotionally. Because we make choices that lead us not toward God, not seeking after God, but leading us away from Him. But then when we, when we, re, uh, we reconnect with Christ, we recapture, right? We recapture what was once lost. We get to, we get to recapture those things. We, we recapture our, our true selves, if you will, or we reclaim, we, we basically reclaim what we lost. And here, I've used this analogy before, but I'm going to just keep using it. 
Some of you haven't heard it, and it's just so important as a visual to understand how, how our lives with Christ um, are lived out. We sometimes walk away from God, okay? We walk away from God. We make choices that pull us further and further away from God. And we feel like we're walking away from him. So sometimes we get to a point in our lives we feel like shame or we feel guilt or we don't feel like we're walking and doing the things that we should be doing. And and we get far away and then we start looking for God. When we turn around, he's like right there. He's right there because he hasn't walked away from us. The moment, that's why God is saying that when a, when a person is repentant, it, you know, there's rejoicing in that. Obviously, when they come to know him as Lord and Savior, there's intense rejoicing. But even a person who's walked away, that prodigal son who's walked away, when they return, God is right there waiting for us. He, he loves us with that kind of intensity. He wants to have that deep and intimate relationship with us. That's God's desire for our lives. So we as individuals need to constantly seek after him, constantly looking for him. The the truth is the only way to truly find what you're looking for in life is to find Jesus first. And so that thing falls into a an eternal context, if you will. Like you say, well, I want to I want to find that relationship with that person I'll spend the rest of my life with. That's fine. I want to find that career that just makes me feel, you know, it gives me, that's fine. But you need to do that in context of, of finding Jesus first. When you find Jesus first, everything else fits in nicely to that. When you don't, you put the other thing first. That's when things fall apart. Relationships fall apart. You start seeking after things before you're seeking after Christ. And the, they, don't, they don't come together. It doesn't come together. In John chapter, I mean, yeah, in John chapter one, verses 40 through 42, it says this. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found because they were searching for the Messiah. We have found the Messiah. That is Christ, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew knew Andrew knew the answer to the longing in his heart was finding Jesus Christ. Andrew understood that, that all other things must fit into the context of finding Christ first. You should be seeking after Christ like as if you had lost your child, if you will. That's the kind of longing seeking we should have. People will sometimes say, well, you know, I tried, I tried my faith or I tried Christianity. It didn't work. It didn't work because basically what you're doing is dabbling in your faith. Of course, it's not going to work. Christ needs to come first. We need to seek after him first and then our careers and then our relationships all fit in to that context. If not, if you do it backwards, it will backfire on you. If you're looking for a relationship and you do that outside of the context of Christ, you might as well just flip a coin and hope it all works out for you. But if you put Christ first in your life, if he comes first to you, then all the other relationships in your life, then, then you'll find that. You'll find that contentment. You'll find that joy. You'll find that peace in your relationships and in the rest of your life. But outside of that, if you do it backwards, it will backfire. It will, it will, it will try, it will truly backfire on you. In John chapter one, um, well, actually in John chapter one, we were talking about how how Andrew, first and foremost, 
in his life was seek. He was seeking after the Messiah. He was seeking after Christ. And when Christ came, that became the pinnacle of his existence. That became the most important thing in his life. Finding Jesus was a way of redefining himself. Finding Jesus is a way of redefining our lives and our priorities. When we find Christ, he redefines our lives. He redefines our priorities. Matthew thought making money as a tax collector was the most important thing in life until he found Jesus. He thought, man, uh, this is, this is what's going to bring me this peace and joy and contentment. This is going to make my life complete. And so he thought that making money as a tax collector and ripping people off, it didn't matter because I have mine. He thought that was the most important thing until he found Jesus. Paul thought he was a zealot that was going to wipe out Christianity until he found Jesus. Or should I say until Jesus found him. When we find Christ, he puts everything else in perspective. He puts our life in perspective. When you find Jesus, everything else comes into focus. Listen, those other things have a, have a place in our lives, but they just no longer have first place in our lives. They still have your career, your relationships, all the things we seek after to try to bring that completeness. They still have a place, but they don't take first place. They're secondary to our connection with him. And once we have that connection with him, once we're seeking after him, once we find him, everything else fits nicely into place. Like I said, it's when we put things, when we put it, go the other direction, that's when it backfires on us. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Listen to these words. At once they left their nets and followed him. Why? Because Jesus was the priority. They had been seeking out the Messiah. They had found the Messiah. Jesus said, come, listen, come and follow me. They immediately drop their nets and they follow him. When Jesus becomes a priority, he changes everything. He changes everything. The unclean become clean when they find Jesus. The weak become strong when they find Jesus. The spiritually blind begin to see when they find Jesus. The proud become humble when they find Jesus. The fool becomes wise when they find Jesus. The lost become found when they find Jesus. The broken become whole when they find Jesus. And the captive, whatever is whatever's capturing you, the captive is set free when you find Jesus. Everything is changed. Everything is transformed once you find Jesus. The problem is that the, the, the problem is so many people in their search to understand this world and their place in it get lost. That's the problem. They're, 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 again, they turn things upside down in their search to understand this world and maybe be a part of this world, trying to find their place in the world outside of seeking after Christ first. They get lost. They get lost and they make incredibly poor choices. It's what Pastor David said last week. Instead of seeking the truth. 
and the and, and, and fulfilling what God has for you instead of seeking truth and fulfillment in that way, they they do the opposite, if you will. They often try to replace Christ with something else. And, and, and some of these things, I would say they're not bad things. When I talk about a career, that's not a bad thing. Finding someone you want to spend the rest of your life with is not is not a bad thing. But when you try to replace it with something else, you get in your mind, oh, if I just had this other person, if I just had this relationship, my life would be, if I just had, my life would be, and it's a, it's a principle or a Jeffism, and, and I, I have the different, different isms, Jeffisms that I, I, I kind of come up with in my life based upon what I see and experience over the last 55 years. Okay, and one of them is the idea of something is almost always better than the reality of it. Think about that for a second. This is where you get yourself into so much. This is where we get ourselves into so much trouble. The idea is of something is often or most of the time better than the reality. Let me give you a couple examples. Number one, okay, like vacation or a pet. Listen, if you want an awesome pet, get a turtle. All right, I'm just telling. I'm telling you right now. I have turtles, man. They go to the bathroom and they're they're a thing, and it's like, well, where is it? It's gone. It's in the dirt. No, it's not even. They poop. You don't even smell it. You don't smell it. You don't clean it. They're just gone. Right? Throw them a couple worms. They're happy. But here's the idea you get sometimes. You, oh, man, if I just had this pet. I knew it, this puppy. That puppy's awesome. And you have this vision in your mind. You can be running through fields with your puppy. And he's going to be jumping and dancing. And you're going to have so much fun. And he's going he's gonna to be by your side. And he's going to be your best friend. This dog's going to be your best friend. And the reality is sometimes the reality is dog's pooping, getting you up in the middle of the night. You have to do this with your dog. You have to take your dog here and do that. You have to find someone to watch your dog when you want to go away and everything. It's t- difficult. You cat people. The first thing you get in your mind is that when you get a cat, you sit yourself it's like you're sitting in front of a fireplace and the cat's on your chest and it's like right instead the cat scratched up your furniture he's scratching up your arms you talk to cat people they'll show you their scars you know the idea of something vacation vacation's awesome right vacation's awesome you get a brochure and it has this incredible crystal clear lake and you save up to go to this crystal clear lake and everybody on a brochure is holding up fish that are almost as big as the person. And there's a whole line of them. It's like, look at these fish. And they're there. And you're thinking, this is going to, the fish are going to, you hear this, this idea, the fish are going to just jump right into the boat. And then you get there and you get skunked while you're fishing. You catch nothing. And it's raining. And it costs you a fortune. You get home, you're totally exhausted. You need a vacation from your, your vacation. Now, I'm not criticizing vacation. Yes, I am a little bit. But the idea of vacation is sometimes better than the reality of vacation. I can tell you for sure the idea of some of the things that you have in your mind are better than the reality of what you have in your mind. When you put something ahead of Christ, the idea of this person is going to bring me fulfillment I'm sorry, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. This job is going to bring me fulfillment. Those are not bad things, but outside of putting Christ first, they are going to become a Jeffism, which is the idea of something is not as good as the reality of it. Romance, uh, romantic or physical relationships. You, you, you feel like you didn't have the kind of dad you wanted to have or not the family you wanted to have, whatever else. So you seek out male companionship in the wrong way and you end up in physical relationships because you think that person is going to fulfill you. They won't. 
Or you say, oh, man, if I just had uh, my career and then you try to find fulfillment in, 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 the, in the job itself, if you will, the activity itself, there's nothing wrong with finding a career. But if you find a career within your relationship with Christ, if he comes first and then you find the career, then it fits into place. But if you're like, oh, if I could just get to this point in, in, in my career or at the job, then everything would be no, no. It, 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 well, I'm telling you, it will not work. It will not work. And some people even replace Jesus with religion. You say, what are you talking about? Well, if you remember in Luke chapter 15 and Luke chapter 15 in verse one and two, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. They were more concerned. They were they were more concerned about tradition than they were truth. They were more concerned about religion than they were relationship. They had it all messed up. So just because you can sometimes you think oh, I'm a religious person, sometimes religion doesn't help you seek Christ. It leads you away from him. Let me give you some some other examples. First, let me say this. I, I am really concerned. And I remember as a youth pastor, I would do this with the youth ministry. I'm concerned about some people within the church and don't think, oh, he's thinking about me. No, I'm just thinking in the way the way the church is in general in America, but even within our own church, I worry about some people within the church because sometimes, again, you can be religious. You can come to to the service on a regular basis but I'm not sure that you that you're ever truly trying to find Jesus, trying to find Christ. In some cases, some cases, it's not really a question of salvation. I'm not questioning your salvation. Now, in some cases, and I hear me out on this one. I'm not God. I don't know who saved and who is saved and who is not saved. But it's important for me to make sure that if you're standing before God at the end of your life, and you're standing before God, that you know where you stand. Okay, so but in some cases, it's not really a question of salvation, just your understanding of what it means to truly live for him. Hear me out on this. This is important. What does it mean to truly live for Christ? See, and I asked the question because it's reflected and this is something we got to look into our own hearts. It's reflected in maybe your lack of desire to want to serve Christ. Maybe your, your, your lack of desire to want to give to Christ. It's, it's reflected in, honestly, it's reflected in some of our, of our personal choices, our personal life choices that we make. We say, I'm a follower of Jesus, but then we make life choices that are, that go against what God would call us to do. See, here's the thing. When you find Christ, when you seek and you find Christ, he doesn't fit into your life. You fit into his. So if I'm saying I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I right now, I want to pray just for a second. God, I pray with all of my heart that we none of us get defensive and hold on to these things tighter than we want to hold on to you. OK, so if. Christ should fit into, to, I should fit into Christ, not Christ fitting into my lifestyle. For example, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he should make a difference in the music that you listen to. I'm not telling you what kind of music to listen to. 
I'm not going to show you a video on how evil rap music is. Whatever. I think mean, some rap music is awesome. It's great. It's not a matter of style of music. I'm saying that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do you actually listen to the lyrics of the music you listen, that you're listening to? Do you, do you see the lyrics? It should affect the way the movies that I go to. The movies that I choose to see, that I choose to watch, okay, the TV shows that I choose to watch, my relationship with Christ, him being first, my seeking after him first, should have an effect on the, the, the movies or the TV shows that I watch, the places that I go, the places that I go online. It should have an effect on that. It should have an effect on the words that I use. How I, how I, how I talk, the, 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 the words that come out of my mouth should be affected by my relationship with Jesus Christ. How much I drink should be affected by my relationship with Jesus Christ. It should be. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not being legalistic. This has nothing to do with being, if, if you think I'm being legalistic, that's a defense mode of yours. I'm not being legalistic, right? Things are either sacred or they're what? Right, exactly. So I'm not being legalistic. I'm not not saying you can't go to the movies, you can't watch TV, you can't listen to music. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that I think each one of us, right here included, need to understand that if I say I'm following Jesus, then he should have a profound impact on what I watch, what I do, who I date, Right? Who I'm spending time with. That should, that's impacted by my relationship with Christ. Finding Jesus means finding a different path than the path the world takes, than the rest of the world. In Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16, it says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. Okay, so where is the good way? Following Jesus Christ, seeking after him. Follow him, walk in it, and you will find what? Rest for your souls. You will find peace and joy and contentment. If you go off the good path and what he's calling us to do and who he's calling us to follow, if you follow the world and don't follow Christ, things will not work out well. And this is how it ends. It says, it says but you said we will not walk in it. And that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes I say, but I will not walk in it. Sometimes you say, but I will not walk in it. Now, I'm sure some people realize, well, I I should say this. I'm not really sure that some people understand or some people realize what it means to truly follow Christ. And that's why I'm talking about this. You say, well, I come to Grace Chapel for years. And I, and, 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 but you know what? Sometimes we get, we get this, you come, we come from different backgrounds, church backgrounds, and all the words sound the same. Okay, so I want to make sure the words aren't sounding the same. I'm not sure that we all realize sometimes what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes, now, but I want you to, I want you to write this down, this word. And are all, and, and all are justified, write down the word justified, freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. So, 
So if we're a follower of Jesus Christ, then we are justified. We are we have been justified to to justify means to declare righteous. So if you ask Christ to come into your life, you have been declared by God, the father righteous. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You are declared righteous. When you ask Christ to come into your life, it's like you're covered with the blood of Christ. You've been declared righteous. Okay, so I'm justified. So if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I have been justified. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I am also being ongoing sanctified. Okay, sanctified, which basically means set, if you will, set apart for God. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, listen to this. I have been crucified. Listen to these words. Don't everybody, everybody, if you're snapped out of it, it'll snap back in. Okay. Listen to these words. I have been crucified with Christ and I know I, as Jeff Greer, the former Jeff Greer, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me to sanctify. Listen, I'll just give you a try to give you some examples that so you'll understand what I'm talking about here to sanctify Someone or something means to set apart that person or thing for the designer's intended use. So the designer intended something to be used in a certain way. So when something is sanctified, it's being used by the designer's intended use. When I use a pen to write a letter or write something down, the pen is sanctified because now it's being used for the it's intended the designer's intended use. If I'm wearing glasses, okay, gl- Eyeglasses are sanctified when they are used to improve sight. If you have glasses with no, no lenses in them, not sanctified. Not, not being used for its intended purpose. You can put it on to look cool, whatever you want to do. I like these glasses. I don't have, I don't have eyesight problems, but I wear these glasses and it makes it look cool. That's fine. You can do that. Nothing wrong with it. Okay. A little weird, but nothing wrong with it. You know, you can, if you choose to do that, it's cool, but they're not, in a sense, they're not sanctified. In a biblical sense, things are sanctified when they are used for God's purposes, when they're used for God's glory. A person is sanctified when, when, when they live according to God's design. I am, I am, I am going, this is ongoing sanctification. I've been justified. I am being sanctified and I am being sanctified as I continue to live out what God has designed me to do. The Greek word that is translated sanctification means becoming holy. This is important. Okay. If you say you're following Jesus Christ, if you say it, if you don't say it, well, I want to, I want to get with you and, and try to, and try to lead you into a closer relationship with him. But if you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, okay, then you're becoming holy. God is holy. He said, be holy as I am holy. Become like me. Follow the example of my son, Jesus Christ. So you're becoming, you're becoming holy. To sanctify is to make holy. Okay? To make holy. So I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Then I need to be doing my best to live out my relationship with Christ in such a way that helps me become more like him. We need to realize that following Christ, listen, listen, this is important. We need to realize that following Christ means Really following Christ. Oh, I'm a follower of Christ. Oh, yeah? You're wearing glasses with no lens in them? Are you a pen that doesn't actually write? So, 
You can say one thing, but the reality right here is saying if, if you're a follower of Christ, it actually means following Christ. Pastor David said this last week. See, it's not the idea of following Christ that's important. It's actually truly following him that matters. We, people love the idea. Even the world loves the idea, if you will, of, of like the, you know, the, being a hero. You know why Marvel movies and DC movies are so popular right now? People are seeking after a hero, someone that's not cheating on their... Oh my goodness, you can't even look at CNN or Fox online anymore without finding teachers doing this kind of behavior with their students or, or people in, in power you know, manipulating or hurting other people around them with their... I'm not going to get all the details you guys can read, right? Right? People are looking... Seeking after. If you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it's not just the idea of following him. It's truly following him. I'm going to read you something. In John. Okay, turn to John. First John. It's in First John chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, just pop back over there. If you don't, I'll read it to you. Okay? First John chapter 2. Listen to this. This is not Jeff Greer speaking. I'm, just, I'm reading it right out of First John chapter 2. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Pretty straightforward. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. If anyone obeys his words, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Sanctification, an ongoing process. Does that mean you're perfect? Does that mean I'm perfect? No. That's why we have Christ who goes to the Father in our defense. When we make a mistake, we ask for forgiveness. He forgives us. Why? Because we're covered with the blood of Christ. Right? So justification in standing with God, he sees Jesus before he sees me. So I'm covered. But then the Father says, now be like my son. Sanctification, ongoing crisis. Be holy as I am holy. Become more like my son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. And this is where I can't, you can't judge where I am spiritual. I, well, take step back. I don't know if you're, if a person is saved or not saved. Only God truly knows that. But here's, here's something I need to read to you that we need to, this is what we can do for ourselves. Second Corinthians 13, 5, it says this. Write that verse down. Second Corinthians 13, 5, it says this. It says, test yourselves, test yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Don't you know that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless what? Unless you fail the test. So I'm not not supposed to test you. You're not supposed to test me. Test yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Don't you know that Jesus Christ is in, in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Finding Jesus means means seeking righteousness and holiness. Let me say that again. Finding Jesus means seeking righteousness and holiness. Holiness means that we consecrate ourselves to God's service, that we give ourselves to God's service. I no longer belong to myself. I belong to God. So I give myself to God's service. And holiness also means conforming in all things to the will of God in all things. This is where we get defensive again. Okay, conforming in all things to the will of God. What does all things mean? Well, if I want to be holy, I'm going to conform in all things to the will of God. It means how I use my cell phone. You say, what are you talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's how I use my cell phone. Okay, it's how I treat the people that I'm dating. Okay, it's how I treat the people at work. It's how it's it's the it's the things that I watch and things I allow to come in my mind. Those are the things we're talking about here. If, if you are consecrated to God's service, if you're conformed in all things to the will of God, then 
we have to ask ourselves, are we seeking righteousness and holiness in, the, in these different areas of our lives? Let me, let me back up a little bit here and say, is anyone going to be perfect in this area? I raise my hand as the first to say no. Okay, no, I'm not going to be perfect. But should I be trying? Should I, should I be, should I be, when I, when I click the TV on, should I actually think through, is this honoring, to, is this making me more righteous and more holy? I see, here's the thing, guys. It was, it was difficult even writing a sermon, thinking about preaching it a little bit. I, I know that these, I know that these concepts, these terms don't fit in pretty much anymore to our modern church culture. But here's the thing. We weren't called to fit into our modern church culture, but to God's design purpose. I was called by God to fit into his design purpose for my life. I wasn't called to, to make sure that I fit into everything now, the church culture. I'm, I'm picking on the church, that, that the, the Christian culture now accepts as whatever, the, how, whatever they accept. Because I, I read 2 Timothy 4.3 and it kind of scares me. It says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You're always going to find someone who will justify every kind of new behavior that comes up and, oh, now that's fine, and God this, and blah, 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 and they'll get some theologian who doesn't even know Christ and not seeking after, you're not seeking out to find Christ. Who are they talking, who, who are they, who is, who is Timothy talking about here? For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather, gather around them a great number of teachers who say what their itching ears want to hear. It doesn't say a lot of it. It says a lot about the teachers who will do that, but it says kind of a lot about what we have to worry about, which is ourselves. Are we truly seeking? If you say you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are you seeking after righteousness and holiness? See, it's, it, it is getting much more difficult to actually find Jesus. I'd love to say it's easy, but in our culture, it's getting much more difficult to actually find Jesus. But doesn't that even make it more dynamic when we actually find him? See, the, the difference between being religious and you coming after a while and saying, well, so you, you talk about peace and joy and contentment. You talk about all these things, but I tried it and it didn't work. You dabbled and it didn't work. If you dabble, it ain't going to work. I'm talking about finding Jesus. I'm talking about, I'm talking about what the Bible just described to us as giving our whole lives and selves to Him, of seeking Him out, putting Him first and everything else fitting into place. What we want to do is have everything, our desires fit into place, and we want to turn around and want God to bless it, but that's not going to happen all the time. And then we get mad at God for not blessing our plans when God's saying, no, you fit into my plans, I don't fit into your plans, because I know your plans aren't going to work and they're going to make you miserable and lead you down a pit. And your life's going to be horrible when you, as you get older. He loves you too much for that. So don't shake your fist at God and say it didn't work and no, I don't understand it. Sometimes the reason it, quote, doesn't work is because we're not putting Christ first. We're putting everything else first and then expecting Christ to fit into our plans and how our plans are supposed to go. Listen, guys, he's not avoiding you. He's not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So the question I'm going to close with is, are you looking? And I'm asking myself the same. You know, when I preach sermons, first I preach to myself and then I preach to all of you. Am I looking? 
Am I looking to find Jesus as I would if I lost my child? Think about that. The intensity that you go through when you lose something so precious to you. Do you seek, do you seek him like you seek after something that matters most to you, something incredibly precious to you, not just a child, but something that you, 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 you love so much with all of your heart. Do you seek Jesus the way you seek after that incredible, that, 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 that incredible thing that you desire, that you want, that, you, that, you, that matters to you, that precious possession? We're coming to... The most wonderful time of the year, Christmas, right? We're coming. This is the most wonderful. We, read this, we sing the songs, the most wonderful time of the year. And while you're trying to run around, find that perfect gift. And again, nothing wrong with that. Remember, he already came wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. If you seek him. If you seek him in your life, not just on the Christmas season, if you seek him, you will find him. Why? Because he's been searching for you all along. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time we can spend together. Thanks, Lord, for the opportunity just to, uh, to be the pastor of this church and to be with a group of people who are willing and, Lord, so many desire to hear truth and to become more like you. That doesn't happen because we're lazy. It doesn't happen because we dabble. It happens because we discipline ourselves. We look into our own hearts and we ask really hard questions. If I'm not seeking after him like I would a lost child or my most precious possession, why not? And we find the answer. And then we seek after you with our whole hearts. God, we love you. We thank you for being a God who forgives us for the multitude of mistakes that we make on a regular basis. Thank you that we're justified. And Lord God, I pray that as you have sanctified us, help us in in that pursuit of holiness. Help us in that pursuit of righteousness that we would become more like your son, Jesus Christ, as we seek after him with our whole hearts. Because it's in his amazing, precious, awesome, powerful name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.